Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. First Corinthians 4 tonight, we're going to talk about loyalty to Christ. Circle or highlight or, or underline that word loyalty. Loyalty, because you know when you talk about loyalty, that is a total different context of what a lot of people think about in relationship to God. And what most people think about is faithfulness. Faithfulness is good, but it's not the same as loyalty. We're going to look at a scripture here that talks about faithfulness. But we're talking about loyalty to Christ. Loyalty to Christ is what has literally caused thousands upon thousands, if not millions of people, to literally die for the cause of Christ. God's not asking us to die for Him in the sense physically, die to the old self, die to the old nature. He wants us to live for Him. But I'll guarantee you there's many because of their loyalty that had no problem having their life even physically taken from the planet, but to be absent from the body present with the Lord. But they did it because of loyalty. And yet today, obviously not true of everybody, but yet today, think about how many believers really do not live a loyal life to Jesus. They're still too caught up with their own life, what they want to do, where they want to go, how they want to live it. But you know, loyalty means I am totally, completely His, and I'm devoted to nobody but Him, and therefore I don't do anything without knowing He desires for me to do that. If you're loyal to Him, that's the kind of life you live. And it's the greatest life you can live. But if you live that kind of life, that means you're willing, you're, you have to be willing for God to adjust your plans. You may spend money on some things. You may prepare to do some things. You may make plans to do some things. And God says otherwise. I want you to get rid of that. I want you to change your plans. I want you to do something else. Well, I couldn't do that. I spent money on this. I did this. If God is the one that truly is speaking to you and has a reason to tell you that you shouldn't be doing those things or should be doing something else, if you're loyal, you have no problem changing your plans. Every person in this Bible who lived out a loyalty to God literally allowed God to readjust their life anytime. Now, you and I should already know. We should already know as a believer in Christ what the basics of what we should be doing with our life is. We should be spending time with God. We should be developing continually our relationship with the Lord. But we should, all should be, we should also be what? We should be about the Father's business. We should be about sharing the gospel. Why are many Christians not? Why are so many Christians, it seems, you know, either quote-unquote, just either, uh, you know, totally absent of any idea of, you know, what it means to go share the gospel or just don't want to do it? I think it's a lack of loyalty. Because if you're loyal to him, he was loyal to you. If you're loyal to him, why would you not want to share the gospel? What is the gospel? Why would you not want to share good news? But I guarantee you, a big reason why that's a problem with a lot of people, they may be somewhat faithful to God, but they're not living loyal to God. You're going to find out why tonight, the number one reason why God wants your loyalty. A lot of people couldn't answer why, but I'm going to show you why from the Bible. Are you ready? 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. First verse we're going to look at tonight. Moreover, it is an option. Your Bible doesn't say option there? Oh, wow. Okay, better reread it. Moreover, making sure you're looking at the verse. Some people don't even take the time to look at the verses. Moreover, it is required. Say required. Now, before anything gets said of anybody sending me messages on Facebook or whatever, this is the New Testament verse. This is not Old Testament. We're not under the Old Testament. We're not required to do anything anymore. Read this again. It is required in stewards that one be found faithful. So this is where loyalty starts. Loyalty starts in a faithfulness as a steward. But it doesn't, stop, it doesn't uh, stop there. It just starts there. Faithfulness and a steward, this word faithful is close to loyalty because most translations actually translate that word faithful this way. Trustworthy. Trustworthy. 
Think about that word, trust worthy. I am worthy of somebody else's trust. If you're trustworthy, then that means you're worthy of somebody's, somebody else's trust. They can put trust in you. Amen. You know, a lot of people, you know, will give, you know, tell you, they'll give you their word, well, I'll do this or this or this, and they never do it. What would that mean? They're not worthy of your trust. They might they have good intentions. They might be somewhat faithful in a way. But when you go to loyalty, I guarantee what? You're worthy of someone's trust. So again, it says clearly that a steward, a what? So here's the difference of whether or not people are faithful to God or not, or in essence, trustworthy, a little step up from that, is I'll tell you why. Are they acknowledging I'm a steward? What's a steward? What's a steward? A steward is somebody who's been entrusted with something that doesn't belong to them. They've been given something that doesn't belong to them, and they've been given a responsibility to oversee it. You're not a steward if you haven't recognized what's been given to me that doesn't belong to me. Now, I'm going to tell you why a lot of believers are not living a faithful life because they don't even understand stewardship. They don't understand being a steward. Read the verse again. It says it is required, notice, in stewards. If you are a good steward, then there's a requirement that you be found faithful. If you're not found faithful, guess what? You're not going to remain a steward very long. So in the relationship to God, what's a steward? All right, get this. You ready? Are you ready? Now listen, you might think your life is your own, but if you've been born again, it is not. The Bible says you were bought with a price. So let's put something up for bid tonight. All right, I got this bottle of water here. I'm going to sell this. Not yours. Woo! Don't touch the queen's bottle of water. Although we got a whole lot more back in the kitchen. So I'm going to sell this bottle of water, right? So what am I bid for this bottle of water? A dollar. Who wants to give a million? Nobody wants to give a million. I was going to put it towards a building fund. So let's say she buys it for a dollar, right? Do I get to decide then what I want to do with this water? No. Do I? No. no. If Linda bought it, guess who now owns it? Linda. Linda does. So guess who actually has the right to decide what to do with that bottle of water? I said, just follow me along. I know this seems kindergarten. Who has the right to decide what happens with the bottle of water? Why? Because she bought it. Correct? Yes or no? Now, if she entrusts that back to me, now I'm a steward of something that I don't own. I don't have the right, therefore, as a good steward to do what I want with that bottle of water. I got to check with Miss Linda and find out what she wants me. Wait a minute. I don't check with her to find out, is it okay if I do this with the bottle of water? I don't own it. She does. She determines. You just said it. She determines what happens with that bottle of water. Not me. She does because she bought it. But now she's given it back to me and entrusted it to me as a steward. So what does she expect of me as a steward? That I get to do what I want and find out if she thinks it's okay? Is that right? No, that's not right. What am I, so she, if she's entrusted me with this as a steward, what does that mean? You ready? I'm to do nothing with the bottle of water without finding out what, what the one who owns it wants me to do with the bottle of water. If I find out what the owner wants me to do with the bottle of water, I'm a good steward if I do it. But you know what most people never even get to? What does the owner want me to do with that bottle of water? You listening? You were bought at a price. Now I'm already preaching better than any minute. You were bought, I, we were bought at a price. Wait a minute. So if Jesus bought us, that made us... His. We belong to Him. Correct? Then guess what He did? He gave us, He gave us stewardship over that new life that He purchased. He gave us stewardship. So if I'm a good steward, do I decide what I want to do and then find out if it's okay with God? I'm not supposed to do anything other than what He who owns me now wants me to do with my life. So He wants me to go to church? Why do many Christians not? Does he want me to give? Why do many Christians not? Does he want me to forgive? Why do many Christians not? 
Does he want me to witness, the, the, share the gospel everywhere I go? Yes. Why do many Christians not? I'm going to tell you why. They're not a good steward. They are not loyal to Christ. Because if we're loyal to Christ, we're a good steward. Don't look at me funny now. Uh, I mean, how simple is that to understand? I just read the verse. It's required in a steward. So you don't have to act like one. You have to live like one. But if you're not going to be a steward over what God gave you, the new life, well, guess what he can't do? He can't fulfill what his purpose is with that new life. Why? You're not, you're not being a steward over it. So guess what I got to do every single day, just like you. I got to make the decision, am I going to be a steward today? And what God has entrusted to me with the new life he gave me? If I am, then that means I'm going to be what? Faithful. I'm going to be trustworthy. I'm going to be worthy of his trust to do what he wants me to do. Can I get a better amen? Number one, a steward of the Lord must be found faithful and loyal. Faithful and loyal. 1A, the word faithful there, in the context of the New King James, mean again, means again, worthy of one's trust. Or trustworthy. Worthy of one's trust. So you got to ask yourself this question. Is God, is, uh, is, is he truly, excuse me, am I truly worthy of God's trust? How do you know? I'm a good steward. Why? Because I'm faithful. I don't do whatever I want. Come on, somebody. If my, if my old nature is too nervous and doesn't want to witness to somebody, and yet I know I should, I have a choice. I can do what I want to do with the old nature, or I can be a good steward and say, you know what? I'm going to do exactly what he wants me to do in my life, and I'm going to tell him about how good my God is. Why would you not want to? Because you're not a good steward. Why would you not want to honor God with the tithe? Ignorant, don't know to. Or if you find out that's Bible and you choose not to do it, why do you not do it? Well, some would say fear, true. You could actually still be living in fear financially. Been there, done that. You got to build faith in the word. But beyond that, it would be what? Not a good steward. I choose to do with my money what I want. By the way, it ain't yours anyway. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Well, I earned it. Who gave you the ability to do that? <laughs> Who enabled you with the brain you have and with the brawn you have. You know, like your pastor. Look at all the brawn you're... Yeah. It's a joke, man. Come on. Trying to lighten some of you up. You're already getting too serious on me. So realize a good steward of the Lord has to be found faithful and loyal. Or guess what? He's not a steward. Now let's look at some comparisons. You ready? That's three of you. You ready? Number two on your notes. Loyalty is higher Excuse me, loyalty is a higher quality than faithfulness. Yes. Found all through the Bible. And here's some great examples. This comes from Dr. Barclay, a study he did for years. Listen to this. This is powerful. A, here's some comparisons. A faithful man goes to church. Say, that's good. That's good. A little louder, please. Notice, a faithful man goes to church, but a loyal man does something when he gets there. See, a faithful man will show up, but that don't mean he'll do anything when he's there. We say man, man or woman, you know, talking about humans. So realize a loyal man goes beyond just showing up to church. Yes. You know what a loyal man does? A loyal man worships God because they love him. Yes. A loyal woman or man of God. They, they, they don't just watch and see every, what everybody else does. No, they clear their mind. They get into their spirit. They worship out of their spirit. Yes. You listening? Yes. You know why? Because they love their God. Yes. He's worthy to receive that praise and that worship. Yes. But a faithful man will show up to church but won't really worship. They just kind of watch everybody else. No, a loyal man does something. They bring something along to be a part of when they're in church. Amen. To be a faithful man believes in tithing, but a loyal man does what? They write checks. Yeah, even you could believe in it, but say, oh, I believe in tithing. But if you don't write checks, that's not a loyalty. That's just a faithfulness to believe in tithing. You know, there's people that believe in salvation that are sinners. Why aren't they saved? They're not loyal. They haven't given their life to Christ. To see, a faithful man will stick with his pastor, but a loyal man will actually help him to do the work. I don't want people just to stick with me that are called here. I want them to be a part of the work. Now, wait a minute. Not just because I don't want to do the work. If you don't think I don't do work, ask some of these guys what we've been doing all the last couple weeks. I'm not bragging on me. I thank God for everybody that works in this church. That's not my point. My point is it's not just enough to be faithful to stick with your pastor. I mean, you know, God wants us all to work together as a family. 
to reach people for Jesus. So a loyal man actually will do what? Help them do the work. They don't just sit on the sidelines and watch. And I know Saturday, all you can are going to be there doing that. 2D, and I, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate it and what a blessing it is to our community. 2D, a faithful man will stay with his wife all of his life. Somebody who's faithful to their wife. See, we think of faithful like never having done anything wrong. No, they'll stick with them, but guess what a loyal man will do? A loyal man will never have another woman on the side. See, there's people that have been faithful to their spouse all their life, man or woman. But there's some who've obviously fallen into adultery. Now, listen, thank God for those who recognized and repented. And, and there have been people that have gotten through that and restored their relationship. Wonderful. But a loyal person is not going to go that direction. E, a faithful man serves the Lord steadily, but a loyal man won't flirt with the world. Woo, come on, somebody. A, a faithful man will serve the, loyal, the Lord steadily, but a loyal person just won't flirt with the world. Now, we're just talking about, in other words, things they're not bound by. You understand that, Right? Things that they're not bound by, things that don't have them. You listening? It's like Pastor always says, God knows what has you and God knows what you have. God, what, God knows what you're holding on to of the world that you can let go of. And if you choose not to, that's not loyalty. But there are things that are strongholds in people's lives. You listening? All of us have had to battle them. So it's not talking about that. It's talking about people who just simply choose to continue to flirt with the world. Matthew chapter 6. So let's look at this loyalty thing further. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. How many are still here tonight? Yes. God wants to see people loyal to him. And I'm going to show you here in the next few verses why that's true. Why, pastor, does God want people loyal to him? Well, you have asked the right question. You are in the right place to find out. Matthew... I gave you the wrong chapter on there. Sorry, chapter 9. I've, I, I made a typo there. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Apologize for that. Make a little note of a correction there. Not chapter 6. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. If you're there, say amen. amen. Matthew 9, verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he arose and he followed him. Verse 10, now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house, Matthew's house. Guess what was in Matthew's house in this context? A bunch of tax collectors. That's what he was. That's what he was friends of. Notice that, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. What were they there for? What were they there for? What were they there for? They wanted to hear what he had to say. Jesus isn't fellowship with the sinners to do what they do. They wanted to hear what he had to say. Verse 11, when the Pharisees saw it, when the Pharisees saw what was going on, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? 12, Jesus, when he heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Now think about who he's talking to. So they're thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, what's this guy doing hanging out with sinners? Well, pastor, we're not supposed to have sinner friends. These weren't friends. He's witnessing to them. What's the whole makeup and the mindset of the Pharisees and the Sadducees that didn't believe Jesus was the Christ? They're all into their works. They're all in their religious system of works. Not because they really want to be right with God, because they want to seem like they're right with God and like they're really somebody because of what they've done. You listening? So this is the people he's talking to. So they really feel like they've done something great for God by doing what they felt they could do to uphold the law. But how I many know they even failed? So the focus was on themselves, not on God. I want you to get that. See, the whole purpose of trying to live up to all that law, in some cases, yeah, you might have had some sincerely trying to do what was right in the sight of God. Most of them were not. Most of the Pharisees and Sadducees, if they'd have known the Scriptures when Jesus showed up, they'd have said, yeah, it's Him. There's the Son of God. But they didn't know that. Why did they not know that? I'm going to tell you why. No loyalty to God. Now, from the external, if you'd ask the people in their day, do you know who's loyal to God? Guess who they'd have named? Pharisees and Sadducees. But they were some of the most disloyal people on the planet to God. You want to know why again? Focus was on themselves. See, loyalty doesn't focus on self. Loyalty focuses on the one you're going to be loyal to. If they'd have been loyal to God, they'd have really known the Scriptures, and they'd have known this is Jesus. Because they knew those verses all about Him all through the Old Testament, and here He is fulfilling all of them. And most of them still didn't recognize it. Why? They weren't loyal to God. 
Most of them fall into the category of faithful, never missed the, never didn't show up on the Sabbath day to the temple to worship God, right? Brought their time. They were faithful, but they weren't loyal. And I'm going to show you why. And therefore, they were missing out on the greatest reason of why to be loyal to God. Watch this, verse 13. So he tells this group of people that I'm talking about, notice what he said to them. Go learn what this means. How many think we ought to learn what it means? Yeah, he's telling them, he said, you need to go learn what this means. I desire, this is God speaking through the prophet Hosea. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Underline it. I desire God, God, God says of man, I desire mercy. I desire mercy from you, not sacrifice. He wants our mercy. We're going to see in a minute what this really means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Listen to that statement. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Are there truly anybody in the context of the time Jesus is talking about already righteous in the sense of being right with God, born again? No. And are they actually righteous in the context of actually being right with God in a way that they could be? No. Not without Jesus dying for them. But guess what these Pharisees and Sadducees thought? We're already right with God. We don't need who you think you... We, we already, we're already right with God. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why did they think they were right with God? Because of focusing on themselves and what they were doing. And not focusing on being loyal to the one for who they were doing it for. So a lack of loyalty is a result of one focusing on themselves. A lack of loyalty is a lack of... of, of a, uh, excuse me. A lack of loyalty... Is, is one focusing on themselves. Well, this said nothing about loyalty. I'm going to give you an advance notice on it. The word mercy in the context of Hosea 6.6 6 is loyalty. Loyalty. When he said, you need to go learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. So the initial word mercy means a steadfast, devoted love. Think of that. A steadfast, devoted love. So you know what God wants? He wants a steadfast, devoted love. And another definition of the word, therefore, tied to that? Loyalty. Go to Hosea 6.6. 6. Let's go look at it. Because that's where it's found. So what did Jesus just tell them that, he, that God, the Father, God wanted from mankind? What's he want from me and you? What's he want from me and you? Loyalty. Loyalty. Now define it further like I just defined it. What's he want from me and you? He wants a steadfast, devoted love. I'm going to show you why. What is God? Come on, hang on with me tonight. What is God? He is love. But guess what? I've shared this with you many times. Just even the natural, if you love somebody and they don't love you back, even though you want them to experience the love you have for them, they can't because you can't force them to. They've got to want to give their love back to you. If they give their love back to you, they can experience the love you have for them. God is love. Guess what God wants people to experience? Him. Him. But you can't do that without, without a, what? a steadfast loyalty of love. Take, you won't get love back from him without devoted love to him. Yeah. You listening? Yeah. And this is what a lot of people are missing out on. Tell your neighbor you're about to get a nugget of truth. You don't ever want to forget. Why does God want us loyal? Why? Why does he want this steadfast devoted love? Man, you have asked the right question. See, this is what I love about passing this church. Because you are some of the people who ask the smartest questions. I'm telling you, you, you so help your pastor to bring truths out from the Bible because you always ask these really smart, incredible questions. Hosea, are you there yet? Yes. I'm looking for him. He's a small, small minor prophet in there. Right after the, yep, there's Nahum. There we go, there we go, there we go. I'm getting close, man. Hang on, your pastor's getting close. Say, so he wants a devoted, steadfast, loyal love. That's what he wants. This is what he's desiring. So Hosea 6 is where we find this quote. If you'll notice here in Hosea 6, 6, which is what Jesus quoted from in Hosea's day, this is God speaking through the prophet Hosea. For I desire, there it is again, this whole statement, mercy and not sacrifice. Now the reason that's all that Jesus said, the reason that's all that he said, why didn't he, why didn't he complete the verse? Why didn't he complete the rest of the scripture? He wanted them to go learn it for themselves. I want you to go learn this. I want you to go figure this out. So I desire what? A steadfast, devoted love. Loyalty. 
You can look this word up. It'll say, it'll say, it'll say loyalty, steadfast, devoted love. Again, why is steadfast, devoted love? Because he's love and you can't experience him without a steadfast, devoted love towards him. I desire your steadfast, devoted love, your loyalty, not your sacrifice. So what did the Pharisees and Sadducees think they were doing? We are living a life of sacrifice for God. We're giving up all of these foods that we would like to eat that we can't eat because the law says we can't eat them. We're giving up all these activities of things we would like to do, but we can't do them because the law says not to do them. Now, listen, the truth is, even though they may have said that they were obviously sacrificing all these things, many of them were not. They were hypocrites. They would say one thing and do something else. But their whole focus is what? I'm giving myself as a sacrifice. Wait a minute. Did God want you to give your life as a sacrifice? Honestly? No. Jesus had to do that. You know what he wanted back from you? Not a sacrifice. He don't want you to live a life of a focus, of a mentality. I'm sacrificing for God. I'm giving this up for God. Really? Really? You're not giving up anything for God. He gave up everything for you. Come on, wait a minute. He gave up everything for you to purchase you, to buy you, so he could own you, so you could be a steward of what he owns. You're not sacrificing anything. It ain't yours to sacrifice. You didn't get it. He bought your life. He owns your life. You have nothing to give up as a sacrifice. He owns you. You've been bought with a price. You belong to the Lord. You're a steward now. He's giving you back the entrustment of this new life as a steward, but you don't own it. So if I'm honoring him as a good steward and giving him a devotion of my love and loyalty, am I sacrificing anything? No. I'm just being a good steward over what he gave me. But see, the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day, they didn't look at what they were doing as a steward over what God gave them of the law. They weren't stewards over the law. They looked at it as a sacrifice. We're making this big sacrifice for God. Do you realize people think it's a sacrifice to go to church? Oh, yeah. There's people think it's a sacrifice to give. I know that's really odd to you, I'm sure. But it, there are so many Christians that think, oh, I, you know, I got to, I used to say it. Probably everyone has said it one other time. I got to sacrifice this for God. Later I learned out, I'm not sacrificing anything for God. You listening? I'm just being a good steward over the life that he gave me. I hope you're getting the point. If you live your life as a sacrifice, you're going to live a religious mindset lifestyle. And in living a religious mindset lifestyle, you're going to miss out on the greatest reason of why he wants your loyalty. Look at the rest of the verse. I desire loyalty, steadfast love, not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. And the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings? Yeah, the burnt offerings were part of their what? Sacrifice. Well, what's the phrase knowledge of God mean? You ready? Here's what God said in the Greek, in the, excuse me, the Hebrew language. I want your devoted love and loyalty. I don't want your mindset of a sacrifice, of giving yourself to me. So that, you ready? You can know me. So that you can know me, not your offerings. What's the reason God wants your loyalty? He wants you to know him. That's the reason. Guess who really know God? Those who are loyal to him. If you're loyal, what are you doing? You're giving him your steadfast love. If you do that, guess what you're going to do? You're going to know him. You're going to know him. That's what he wants. So ultimately, what does he really want? He wants my, my loyalty and devoted love. Honestly, he wants you to know him. But it doesn't happen without loyalty and a steadfast love. Why? Because if I don't have a steadfast love and a loyalty to God, guess what I'm going to do? What I want. All right, the old nature. So if I do what I want, old nature, not the spirit man, the new man on the inside. If I do what I want, am I going to get to know God? Oh, no. No, you're going to do everything but get to know God. You're going to do all kinds of things that are going to hinder you from knowing God. That hard to figure out? Why does God want your loyalty? He wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. Tell me that ain't a good God. Three, loyalty to the Lord will cause us to know him. Please don't forget that. 
Loyalty to God will cause us to know him. Quit thinking about anything you do in life as it relates to God as a sacrifice. You've got to get rid of the sacrifice mentality. You have to. Those sacrifices were on purpose to deal with the issue of sin in their life to be able to atone or cover it. Our sins have not been atoned. Our sins have been eradicated. The blood of Jesus wiped it away. So realize that he had to set up a sacrificial system. If he did not, he had no way to cover their sin. He had no way to do it. But the sad part about it is in the midst of doing those sacrifices, guess what? They start living a life of focus of sacrifice. He don't want you to focus on living a life of sacrifice. It was all about knowing him. He wants you to be loyal to him, not your, again, not your sacrifices. I want your loyalty and love, not your sacrifice. Don't take the sacrifice. You got to deal with yourself every time you think about it as it relates to what you do as a good steward over the life God gave you. It's not a sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice to go hang door hangers out and let people know about an event where people are going to get to know Jesus. Amen. It's not a sacrifice to show up Saturday and do all this work to share the gospel. God told us to do this event. This wasn't, well, this was pastor's idea. Wrong. This was God's idea. Pastor was praying, asking God, what can we do more to reach our community? Lord, there's got to be something we can do to reach our community. And guess what got birthed out of those, those times of prayer? Polar Express. And guess what's happening when the Polar Express happens? A lot of people are getting to see the, hear the gospel and get to hear the, hear the goodness of our God. And to see it being performed by what we do. Any amens on that? So you got to realize this is not a sacrifice coming up Saturday. It's not a sacrifice for us to give extra time and extra hours. I thank God for the cleaning crew of this church. It's not a sacrifice to do that. See, if you're loyal to God, you're doing it because you know why? You have a steadfast love for God. I used to tell people all the time, when you clean God's house, remind yourself of this. This is his house. Think of it this way. So if Jesus lived somewhere and it was his house, would you mind going over and clean? If he called you up and said, hey, could you come clean my house? Oh, for you, Jesus? You bet. Praise the Lord. Why is it people have such a different opinion when it comes to his house physically on the earth? It's his house. It's not a sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice to give. Oh, I got a sacrifice. Oh, I got to sacrifice this daughter. No, it's not a sacrifice. So if you live with a loyalty and a love for God, it's not a sacrifice. And here's, you got to understand this. So the opposite of tr- is true. What if I'm living this sacrificial mindset lifestyle? You're not going to get to know him. Because no, if you live a sacrificial lifestyle, who's the focus on? Yourself. yourself. Well, if it's, not on, if it's not on him, you're going to get to know him? No. no. You're going to keep doing what you want to do. Can you see how the sacrificial mindset of a lifestyle leads you to even further things of what you obviously old carnal nature wants to do because you're focused on you and not focused on God? Hope I'm helping you tonight. I'm helping me whether I'm helping you or not. And I've studied it already and I've gotten excited about it. And now I get to reteach it. So realize this. Number three, loyalty to the Lord will cause us to what? Know Him. That's His desire. That's what He wants. 3A, God desires our loyalty, our steadfast love, not our sacrifice. 3B, it should not be a sacrifice to walk with and serve God. In no way, shape, or form. You kidding me? It should be a privilege should be something we're so excited about that we love that we got the opportunity and privilege to do so. 3C, therefore, Hosea 6.6, here's God's word translation of Hosea 6.6, which is a little closer to what was originally said here. I want your loyalty, not your sacrifices. Why? I want you to know me, not to give me burnt offerings. 3D, he wants us clearly, therefore, to do what? To know him. So that's what it's all about. That is what it's all about. So let's look at some attributes of loyalty. You want to do that? Yes. Go to Micah. Another very minor prophet. Micah. What chapter are we going to? Chapter 6 in, in Micah. This is powerful. So turn forward. Start going through some of these minor prophets out of where you're at in Hosea. And you'll come across Micah. Going to chapter 6. Number 4 in your notes. A man loyal to Christ... Or a woman, of course, just talking about humans. A man loyal to Christ will do all that is required to walk with the Lord and in His ways. Why? Because it's not about a sacrifice. So a man who is loyal to Christ will do all that is required to walk with the Lord and in His ways. Micah 6, 8. Notice this. He has shown you, O man, God has. He has shown you what is good. 
And what does the Lord require of you? So here we have some attributes of loyalty. What does he require of you? But to do what? Justly, to love, mercy, to walk humbly with your God. On your notes there, for A, to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with his God. Let's go over that. So if I'm walking loyal to God, what am I doing? I'm living a life as required by him as a good steward to do that which is what? Just. Just. So we say it all the time. I do what's right, not to get right, but because I... So a person who's loyal to God wants to do what's right in the sight of God. They'll do what's just in the sight of God. Amen? They will walk justly. Doing that which is the term just also means in the context of justice, righteous or what's right in the sight of God. So a man of God who's loyal, woman of God, they're going to do what's right. Why? They're loyal to him. For B, they're also going to do what? They're going to love mercy. Now here, loving mercy means, guess what? They're going to love living a loyal lifestyle. Because it's not a sacrifice to them. Therefore, it's not something that's a, 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 a context of a, of a pain in their life or a, or a difficulty. No. I mean, what you love might have some challenges with it. How many know that? Yes. How many know if you love somebody and develop relationship, there's still challenges in it, but you still love them. Yes. Thank you for all your amens about that. Yes. So obviously, if you love God, it doesn't mean there's not some challenges that come with that relationship. But you do it because you love him. And then 4C, you're also going to do what? You're going to walk humbly. You're going to walk humbly with your God. So I've asked you this before. You've been pretty good at this. What, is it, what does it mean to remain humble? If I'm humble before God, what is it? Excuse me? Teachable. Come on, man. Tamara, come to the front of the class. What are you doing sitting back there? I keep telling you to come up here on the front row. So simple. To be humble means I'm teachable. I'm teachable. If you're not teachable, you're no longer humble. God can't help you humble because you're not teachable. So three things God said as attributes of loyalty. One, I'm going to do what's right just because it's right. Two, I love mercy. I love being loyal to God. It's not, a, it's not something I don't love because I love Him. Are you listening? So it's not a sacrifice. I love. I love being devoted to God. I love having a steadfast love for my God. And number three, I therefore am also going to do what? Walk humbly. I'm going to be teachable. God's going to be able to teach me, show me things, help me understand things. I'm not going to sit there and all of a sudden get a stiff neck, you know, get rebellious about it, buck up and say, well, God, I know you said that, but no. See, that's not humble anymore. And therefore no longer loyal. But loyal people are what? Teachable. And therefore, if you're teachable, what are you? Correctable. You're correctable because you're going to continue to be corrected for the rest of your life if you receive what God has to teach you. He's not just going to teach you something just for you to hear, and then you keep going off and doing something different. If you're teachable, guess what? You're going to be also what? Correctable. Hebrews chapter 3. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hebrews 3. How many think it would be worth your while to live a loyal life? Why? What, what, What would be the ultimate benefit of loyalty? You're going to know him. Please don't forget that. Loyalty to God is not about this, oh, yeah, you're this perfect Christian. Nope, it's about knowing God. Everything to deal, to deal with loyalty has to do with knowing your God. That's awesome. I said that's awesome. So you can see where somebody could be faithful to church but not loyal. Well, faithful doesn't mean they know him. Loyal means they will. Because they're going to interact, get involved. It's all about because I love him. So therefore, they're going to get to know their God. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. You still with me? Hallelujah. How many glad you came to church tonight? How many online glad you hooked up tonight? Praise the Lord. Notice verse 12. Beware, brethren. Warning. Uh Uh-oh. Warning. I'm still trying to find a clip. If somebody could find me a clip of that robot. Warning, warning. Well, remember how he turned like right in the middle, you know? <laughs> Anybody remember that as a kid growing up? So I think of that when I see the word beware. He's trying to warn him of danger. Guess what God's trying to do? He's trying to warn you of some danger here. Beware brethren. So we know clearly he's not talking to sinners. He's talking to believers. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Well, I would never do that. Well, sadly, people have. 
Sadly, people have. What is unbelief in its essence, according to Scripture? If you read down further, and I don't have time, you can read later through the rest of Hebrews 3 and verse 4. I'll show you real quick, just for the sake of time. All right? Verse 18. Look at verse 18. We're coming back to verse 12 in a minute. Watch this. To whom did he swear they would not enter his rest? The promise that he had for them of the promised land. But to those who did not what? Those who did not what? Obey. So we see that they could not enter in because of... So what's the biblical definition of unbelief? Disobedience. Disobedience. What is the definition of belief? Faith. What does faith do? Do what God says. Hey, Noah, build an ark. Yes, sir. And he built an ark. Why? He didn't live in unbelief. Did what God told him. Why? Devotion of love. If you have a devoted love for God, why do you not believe what he tells you? If you have a devoted love for God, you know what he's telling you is for your benefit. You know, I love something Terry posted today. Terry Myers, I love this statement, you know. Uh, I, I guarantee you, sometimes when you walk by faith, you can look pretty stupid till it starts raining. Yeah. Noah's day. You listening? Building that ark, he looked pretty stupid. But he was walking by faith. A lot of people thought he was a nut. They didn't when the rain started. Are you still here? So that's unbelief. You need to understand that for these verses. 12 again. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart. God calls it an evil heart. He's talking about believers. An evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. Well, what would, what would be the reason for an evil heart of unbelief? Now, we're not talking about the heart, your spirit man. Here. We're talking about the center part of your being, your soulish man. So what would be the, per, the problem of an evil heart of unbelief? It is disobedience, is unbelief, but what, what would be the cause of that? What would be the problem there? Okay, so go back to the children of Israel he's referring to. Faithful? Faithful? Many of them, yeah. They, I mean, they still stuck with where God told them to go. Loyal? No. They complained the whole time. You want to know a great way to find out if you're, if you're walking loyal or not? What God's asking you to do? Do you complain? Because if you're complaining, it's a sacrifice to you. Tell your neighbor, once again, pastor's preaching better. Amen. See, if you start complaining about what God told you to do, it's because it's a sacrifice to you. He don't want your sacrifice. He wants your loyalty. Verse 13. Notice, but exhort one another daily. While it is called what? Today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We can literally help each other. To not fall prey through through the uh, pray fall fall prey to this by exhorting, encouraging one another in our devotion to God and our walk with God and things we're going through. Hey, man, listen. I know you might be going through a tough time, but you know what? God's still good. This is exhorting one another. He still loves you. Yeah, but no, 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 no. Yeah, buts about it. He still loves you. He still cares about you. He didn't put you in this bad predicament, but he'll get you out. 14, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Like to preach on that, don't have time. But this is telling you that some may not hold, may not hold their confidence steadfast to the end. Well, I thought you do is just pray a prayer and you're good to go. Well, why does it tell us here that you have to hold the beginning of your confidence steadfast to the end? 15, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not do what? Harden your hearts as the rebellion. Hardening their heart means what? They didn't obey him. They didn't obey him. They didn't do what he asked them to do. Now you know why they didn't do what he asked them to do. Why did they not? There was two of them that did. Oh, come on, help me tonight. Help me to preach. So there was two of them that did, actually did what he told them to do, right? Without any problem. But all the rest did not want to do what he had them to do. Why? Tell me why, according to this word. What did they not have? They didn't have loyalty to God. But Joshua and, and, uh, Joshua and Caleb did. You know why? The Bible said they had a different spirit about them. Their spirit man wasn't born again. They had, guess what? Had a loyalty to God. They wanted to know their God. Five, we prove our loyalty to Jesus when we make it all the way to the end. Now, just for the purpose of showing you how all these New Testament apostles died, you want to to look at a picture of loyalty? 
Turn to the back of your page. This is how they died. You want to talk about people who really honestly did not mind giving up their life for Jesus? You know why? They were in love with him. I said they were in love with him. God, again, is not asking us to go become martyrs in the day that we live in. For most of us, that'll never happen in the society we're in. But look at the loyalty of these, these great uh, apostles, 14 of them here, because we're going to go into some that were not initially. Paul was not initially with Jesus, but he was, an, he was one of the apostles. Yes. You listening? Yes. Number one, Matthew. How'd they die? Matthew suffered martyrdom by being slain with a sword in Ethiopia. He was killed as a martyr for Jesus by being slain with a sword. There's people in different parts of the world today that we still have uh, a lot of people in uh, foreign lands, Muslims, that are beheading and, and killing people that are Christians with the sword. Two, Mark died, expired at Alexandria after being cruelly dragged through the streets. Their streets, by the way, weren't dirt. You listening? They were stone streets. Imagine being drugged through those stone streets. Luke, number three, he was hanged upon an olive tree in the land of Greece. Now, by the way, what were all these people uh, murdered or killed for? It's simply loving Jesus and preaching the gospel. Did they, do you think for a moment that any of them thought it was obviously far too big of a sacrifice to pay? No. Wasn't a sacrifice to them. They were loyal to their God. For John, notice John was put in a cauldron, if you didn't know this, of boiling oil. Think about this. He was boiled in oil and somehow he escaped death miraculously. He somehow survived. So then they turned around and banned him to Patmos, a deserted island. Think about all the skin boiled off you and then being banned to a deserted island. Any idea what that's going to be like? And guess what happened while he was on that island? God gave him the book of Revelation. When he got the book of Revelation, does anybody know what he was doing when he got the book of Revelation? It was a Sunday that the Bible says in the New Testament was the Lord's day. He was worshiping on the Lord. He's by himself and he's still having church because it's the Lord's day. And I'm still going to worship my God. And all of a sudden the Lord speaks to him and gives him the book of Revelation. Five, Peter was crucified, if you don't know it, Rome. And, uh, with his head downward, he did, he was literally crucified for his faith. But he would not allow him allow them to crucify him right side up like his Lord. He didn't feel he was worthy of that, so he had him turn him upside down, and they they uh, uh, obliged him. James the Greater, talking about not like greater as an apostle, he was the first one of those that were called with the name James, and thus was kind of given the title the Greater, was beheaded at Jerusalem. James the less was thrown from a lofty pinnacle of the temple and then beaten to death with a fuller's club. Fuller's club is a big block of like wood on the end of a stick they would use to beat rugs out and stuff with. And they beat him to death with it. Eight, Bartholomew was flayed alive and beheaded. Does anybody know what flayed alive means? Skinned. Just like skinning an animal, they cut his skin off. They skinned him and then they beheaded him. Andrew was bound to a cross where he preached to his persecutors until he died. So they bound him to a cross. And guess what he did the whole time that he was on that cross till he gave up his life? He preached the gospel. Till his life was gone. Thomas was run through the body with a lance at Cormondale in the East Indies. Jude was shot to death with arrows. Matthias was first stoned and then beheaded. Now, I'm going to tell you what. Being stoned to death was no fun for anybody. No. Imagine being in the bottom of a pit area and everybody just throws stones at you till you're dead. And then he was beheaded. Barnabas of the Gentiles, he was stoned to death at Salonica. And Paul, the apostle Paul, and a lot of people don't realize he was martyred right. in Rome. After torturous Per, uh, tortures and persecutions was at length beheaded at Rome by the Emperor Nero. Even though he preached the gospel there, you know, he was under arrest. He was tortured by him over and over and over. And then eventually Nero had him beheaded. That's what happened to all the New Testament apostles. Now, you know what? None of them felt that was a sacrifice. Do you know why? Loyalty. Let me tell you why. They knew their Jesus. 
in wrapping this up, let me explain something. When you and I think it's really hard in life, you should remember back to those apostles that gave their life. Because the truth is, what we go through is nothing compared to what they went through. But the only reason sometimes we get caught up in thinking it's really tough and really difficult is because we got our focus on the wrong person. We're looking at us instead of the Father, instead of our God. Because the truth is, if we have a loyalty and a devotion, a steadfast love to Him, we're going to get to know Him. Why does God want my loyalty? Why does God want our loyalty? He just wants you to know Him. But you can't do it without a steadfast love for Him because He's love. And without devoting your love to Him. So if, if, if my love, I was going to say this before I get off it. So think about this. When people say, is this Jesus for real? All these deaths are recorded. They're recorded. You can find them in books. So actually, they, people know that they were actually killed this way. Why would they do that if Jesus wasn't really who he said he was? Why would people go? And I mean, there's been literally, again, thousands upon thousands more. Why would somebody do that? Why would somebody give their life like that if Jesus wasn't really truly real? If he wasn't who he said he was. He is. But again, I want you to get this. Why does God want our uh, loyalty? He just wants you to know him. And you can't do that without loyalty. And that's what all of Christianity is about. It's about knowing him and making him known. It's our statement that I've said over this church for years and years and years as a pastor. You want to know what Christian Faith Fellowship is all about? It's about knowing God and making God known. Because that's what we're here to do. I'm glad he did that for us so we could know him. Stand to your feet. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.